Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. I was going to say, 
you know, to kind of break down what you just yeah. said and simplify it, it this class kind of sucks. <laughs> basically, is what you're what you're trying well, to I mean, say. I mean, I mean you're no, trying to say it politely, but, but this class kind of sucks. Okay, that's an you bring up an interesting <laughs> point, uh, and, and and I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you. You did a mock draft. I did a mock draft for our Frat House Sports League yep. uh, game that we did here. Now you're saying that you think that the reason there's so much speculation about this particular draft is because it's a weak draft class. And yet, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, analysts have indicated that, you know, if you're looking for offensive linemen, if you're looking for defensive linemen, offensive tackles, defensive secondary, this is a very strong draft. Why is there so much speculation? You really believe it's because this is a weak, as you say, sucking draft class? (laughs) I kind of I, I kind of joke about that, but I think you know previous drafts like last year, you know we we you know we saw luck, you know, sure. and and then years before, you know I think when you when you start talking about you know a strong defensive line class or a strong offensive line class, and you're not talking about the, the skill, weapons, the skill positions, the skill positions, the wide receivers, running backs, the quarterbacks, quarterbacks right. you know what I mean. People are like, uh, okay. But it's like see, going, it's like going to you know a football game and it's a defensive game where there's not a lot of scoring. But people kind of like, uh, did we get you know spoiled? I mean? Did last year spoil us? Did we get? Well, I think the past couple of years kind of got spoiled. I agree with you, had, you. you had Cam Newton, you had Luck, you know RG three, you know, you had di- you had these dynamic players and right. personalities, and what are we talking yeah, about in this nothing, draft class? Yeah, you're we, right. We've got the imaginary girlfriend. <laughs> we've got the we've got a guy that tweets about taking the money, right? Right. You know what I mean. So you know, there's no. Okay, so let's go over it real quick. Okay. Because we we as I said, we got about an hour probably before we hear Goodell yep. get up and make the first. And thing. we could probably sit here and probably talk for, for an hour. Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> we could. Um, for Kansas City. Uh, one, two, three, four. Who were your number one, two, three, fours? Okay. In in your mock draft. I got. Uh, Joko going to the Chiefs. Right. Um, I went out of the box, and I had Geno Smith going to the Jaguars. That is out of the box. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Eric Fisher going to the Raiders. Okay. And then I got Milner going to your Eagles. To the Eagles. Okay. Who did you have going to your uh, Rams? Patterson and Ogletree. Okay. Interesting. Uh, uh, how do you have both? I have uh, Patterson first, Ogletree oh, second. second round. You talking second round, or? No, no, oh, no. Oh, do you, 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 guys, oh, that's right. you have two picks. Okay. We've got two picks. Okay. And real quick, although we're hearing things are changing dramatically as we go through this, uh, things are changing constantly all afternoon. Um, like Psychic, I had Joko going to the Chiefs. I had Milner actually going over to the Jaguars. Uh, I had Sharif Floyd going over to the Raiders. And I had Eric Fisher coming over to the Eagles. I had Patterson as well going over to your Rams. That's a good sign, maybe. I don't know. And actually, we'll I've, I've, some of the some of these you know mock drafts I've been seeing, a lot of them actually have Patterson going to the Rams. Really? Okay. So it's you know I'm hoping maybe it kind I, of bodes. I'm well. going to tell you, I think Patterson would be a really good fit for uh, your Rams. Absolutely. Well, we, you need something like that. We do because you know I've I've been talking about this for two years since we've been doing the show that you know what Bradford's missing is receivers. Yep. And then this year we lost Gibson and we lost uh, Amendola now. Right. So now we don't have we don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And we lost and we lost Jackson. We've lost yeah our offense. Yeah. You know. So. And, and, and you're right. You need something there. You need an offensive line as well. However, well, so absolutely. I, hopefully that's going to get addressed as well in this particular draft. Okay. There's our pre-draft chat, uh, and you can bet that Sidekick and I will be dissecting. All of the picks next week, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of surprises um, uh, coming out of this as we go through round one tonight, rounds two and three tomorrow, all right? So I'm sure that – and those are going to be the rounds that everybody's got their eye on, all right? So I'm sure we're going to be – And with the first pick in the NFL draft, I'd like to take the uh, (laughs) St. Louis Ribs. We're going to be breaking it all down for you next week, all right? But uh, let's. Uh, we got breaking news. We got breaking news. Just hey, a pick just came into us just moments ago. Uh, you, these are some of the individual NFL draft war rooms, and as you can see here, 
These rooms seem a bit harried, uh, even a bit confused and a little bit disorganized. Look at this. Um, but uh, particularly like down here in room one, you got the cheese down there. Things are very disorganized situation. They look got how, a buffet down there. Look, look, <laughs> look how calm, though. Look how calm they are over there in the Jaguars room. Uh, it seems obvious they're ready to go. Uh, very organized, clean, neat, neat as a pin. Yeah, they listen to, to me. They're going to. They're going to. They're, ready they're to going go. to lock up Geno Smith. The Jaguars. Second that second pick. They, they they know exactly what they're doing. Look at they got they got a piece of cardboard out there. I think that they're making notes on. Okay. Uh, I don't even see a computer in that room. There, there, nobody even has. There's not even. A, there's not even a tablet. I think in there. It's old uh, school. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> What is it like? One of those pools? You know, you just kind of. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go over and take a look at some other sports. Time to get for our regular weekly motorsports update. Uh, and yes, we had a bit of a different look uh, going on with drag racing uh, this past weekend down at Charlotte as they went four wide uh, for the only oh. four wide, yeah, four wide racing we see all year. Uh, four wide racing. A little bit of a different animal, which allows for just about anything to happen, and we saw that in the final round of the Funny Car Division, which had Matt Hagen, Blake Alexander, Tim Wilkerson, and Chad Head all going up against each other. Now, take note of what I just pointed out there. In that roundup, in that final final round, no JFR cars, no Ron Tapps, no Cruz Pedregon, and their improves. Forward can change the setup of these races. And in the end, it was Matt Hagen taking the strip in 4.07 seconds at 315.34 miles per hour. And that propelled Matt to the top. And so let's go take a look at the leaderboard following the fifth nationals of the year. Over in the top fuel dragster division, <coughs> excuse me, it continues to be Tony Schumacher over Antron Brown, now leading him by 74 points, as I pointed out. In the Funny Car Division, we have a new leader on the board with Matt Hagen. 50 points over Cruz Pedregon, 52 points over Courtney Force. Back and forth we go over in Pro Stock this week. It's Mike Edwards' turn uh, at the top of the board uh, as he's 84 points ahead of Alan Johnson. Uh, and listen, make, don't sit on that one. That's going to change next week. Make no mistake. And yes, that's a fright. I, I did say next week. Uh, which is this weekend. There's no week off this week uh, for NHRA drivers as they are right back at it at the O'Reilly Auto Parts Spring Nationals this Friday through Sunday out in Houston, Texas uh, at the Royal Purple Raceway. And you can check that out. You can check out the Sunday Finals and the Saturday qualifying, as a matter of fact, in a rare live. We'll do it live! Said, yes, they are. A very rare situation. They're going to do it live. We'll 2 p.m. Yeah, right on ESPN. Well, at 2 p.m. on Sunday. You'll check your check your listings for Saturday on ESPN too. If you miss it though, you can bet we're going to be bringing you the results next week. Okay. Now, race eight over in NASCAR took place um, at the big track down at uh, out in Kansas uh, Speedway, and for the third race in a row. And we're, we're not sure whether it's ever happened, but if it ever has happened, it's few and very, very rare between the pole leader turned out to be the race winner, the third race in a row. And well, we're going to talk about whether he was or not. As the 63-lap leading Joe Gibbs Racing number 20, driven by Matt Kenseth, held off all challengers for his second win of this season. Following eight cautions and three wrecks, including a, a glorious one that you're going to see at the end of this show, uh, a big one between Kyle Busch and Joey Logano in lap 102. Others who persevered and came in the top five included Casey Kane, who came in second. There's Jimmy Johnson with another top five finish coming in third. Martin Truex Jr. got fourth, and Clint Boyer came in fifth. And Danica Patrick got another top 25 finish. Well, there you go. There you go. Consistency, I think, is what you always say, is yep. important in NASCAR. Absolutely. All right. So there you go. Right there, it's proven. And so we're going to take a look at the leaderboard, and it might turn out that we're going to talk about it perhaps maybe a little bit longer than normal this evening because things have kind of gotten mixed up, well, this week, but also in the past couple of days, we're going to talk about it in a moment. 
Uh, let's take a look at where it stands right now. Jimmy Johnson stays at the number one spot. Casey Kane takes over at number two uh, with a win, and now four top fives uh, this season. Brad Kozlowski moves down one to number three. Greg Bittle stays in the number four spot. And due to that awful weekend that Kyle had, Dale Jr. moves back into the top five at number five. And but, and our biggest losers of the week were Kyle Busch, who dropped right. five spots. Uh, Joey Logano dropped six spots. And the biggest movers were, surprise, surprise, Martin Truex yep. up six spots and Casey Kane up five spots. Okay. But there was a biggest mover in 24 hours. And yeah. that was, and we got to talk about it. Here we go again, sidekick. Just like last week, the leaderboard suddenly changed yesterday yep. when NASCAR leveled one of the toughest penalties in their history against Joe Gibbs Racing's number 20, driven by Kansas winner Matt Kansas, after the car's engine uh, failed at post-race inspection. There's something screwy around here. One might say so. This resulted in a 50-point driver deduction to Kansas, suspended the crew chief six races, and uh, he was also fined, the crew chief was also fined $200,000. Joe Gibbs himself was suspended six races. Now, apparently all this revolves around one of eight connecting rods which failed to meet the minimum weight requirement by three grams. Two cotton balls. In the meantime, Toyota Racing Development took full responsibility. Toyota Racing Development, they're the ones that supply the actual engines to the teams. They took full responsibility for the error saying, quote, we take full responsibility for this issue with the engine. JGR is not involved in the process of selecting parts or assembling the Cup Series engines. Okay. Nonetheless, NASCAR went ahead with uh, the penalties. Okay. Now, sidekick. I don't mind saying to you right now that I'm a bit pissed off now, okay, about this one. All right. To me, this seems like it's getting a bit ticky. All right. This is getting a bit ticky-tack when we're talking about three grams on one of eight connecting rods. Go ahead. Settle me down if you need to, or maybe not. Give us your take on it. The rules are the rules. Here, here's, okay. So, uh, Uncle Mark and I had, we're kind of going back and forth on Facebook about this last night. Um, there are parts of the rule book that are black and white. You just don't mess with them. Engines, tires, things like that. There's no gray area. You're going to get stomped on by NASCAR. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's gray areas. Things like uh, what we saw Jimmy Johnson yes, last yes. year with the C-Post. This year with uh, the Penske racers uh, with the rear ends and stuff. Those are gray area infractions. So they're kind of looked at a little differently. Okay, we're talking engines. You're saying we're, the engine. The, yes. Okay. Okay. Now... The penalty that came down on, on JGR for this, okay, even though Toyota has gone and said, hey, it's our fault, ultimately, the responsibility, though, falls on the race team. Mm -hmm. There are other race teams that build their own engines. Not every, you know, not all race teams have their, uh, what they call turnkey motors given to them by their manufacturer. Toyota, exactly, Toyota basically hands the motors over to the teams. The teams just put them in the cars. Right. Okay, and there's no kind of, the, the the teams don't really QA them. They trust Toyota to, to do that. Um, but in this instance... I think it's a fair assumption, but go ahead. Um, you know, there has been, uh, back in 2009, I the name escapes me at the moment, there was a, another racer who got, the, got a similar penalty for problems with the engine. All right. Now this is under a different point system. That driver still actually has not come back to NASCAR because he can't afford to pay the fine that was levied to him at that time. And because he can't pay the fine, he can't work. He can't drive or do anything in NASCAR. Um, so I, if you if you look at the penalty in a vacuum, it looks harsh. Yeah. But. When you when you look at the other rules and you compare it to some of the other cases, it's right in line with 
their you know their penalties. NASCAR is not doing themselves any favors. This is it, it, the fan base is looking at this, and can I be honest? We have my first reaction was we had a situation last week with a leader on uh, in the top five. We have a situation this week with a leader in the top five. What in the hell is NASCAR doing? Are they trying to manipulate what the outcomes are going to be of the entire season? Because that's certainly the way it's appearing. You, you know, the analogy that I drew to it earlier today as I was thinking about this was we, we constantly complain about the referees. I don't care what sport it is, football, baseball, whatever, that interject themselves into a game in order to affect an outcome. Is this not the same kind of situation? No. Now, last week with Penske, apparently there was somebody that may have tipped off NASCAR yeah. to go look at the car. Yeah, I heard this. That's, that's in question. Right. Okay. Well, this, regardless and, of whether and, somebody and, did and, or not. And I that? saw on the Internet, actually, I think it was Bleacher Report, where they were insinuating that somebody tipped NASCAR off to Kansas car. Well, first of all, how do you tip somebody off that one, connecting, one of eight three connecting grams. rods is three grams off? The second thing is, every winner's car is impounded, and they tear that thing apart. Or is it a spot check on the backside? No, they they gut the car. The winner car, the, winner car. the okay. winner's car gets gutted. Right. And they measure everything down to connecting rods. So I don't think this is a hey, we suspect there's something with Kenza's car. No, this was routine check. Every report that I have written or read has indicated that in no way whatsoever did this give uh, uh, Kansas any kind of performance advantage whatsoever. In fact, I mean, I love the analogy that even Yahoo brought to it where they said uh, it, it failed the minimum weight requirement by three grams less than the weight of an empty envelope. I mean, seriously, psychics that just look ticky-tack to me. That's where I'm coming down on it. No, I see, and where I see it is, you know that part of the rule book is black and white. It doesn't it it doesn't matter whether it was competitive advantage or not. What they're what they're doing is they're taking they're taking uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh intent out of the equation and they're just saying if it doesn't meet the specs it's punished. That way that way there's no there's no potential favoritism or any of that. It's you're right. you're not within specs. Sorry, you're getting penalized. Now, what I will say though is I I JGR is going to appeal and I think they should appeal. Yeah. Because I I think that they can get the penalty to the crew chief lessened because it wasn't a motor out of Gibbs shop. Mm-hmm. It was a Toyota and they Toyota has come back and they've said, "Hey, we're guilty. Well, we we screwed up on quality control." Somehow this got in there. We don't know how, but it's our mistake. Well, then that's going to set a precedent, and then other houses are going to sit there and go, well, then from this point forward, why don't we just let the manufacturer give us the, the engines and we, we can get off? Well, not, I, I don't think they're going to get off. Well, no, I, I they get off, but they I get think, off with a lesser penalty. Well, right, because you're basically appealing it to somebody else. Right. You know, so, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see, you know, Joe Gibbs get anything reduced. And I don't think you're going to see uh, Matt Kenseth get anything reduced. What you may see is you may see Ratcliffe get reduced down to four, three or you know three or right. four race suspension and maybe a hundred thousand dollar right. fine. So. All right. Well, uh, listen for our fans out there. Uh, time for you to chime in. Hit us up on Facebook. Tell us where you stand on it. You heard where I stand on it. You heard where Sidekick stands on it. We're going to agree to disagree a little bit on this one. Where do you come down on it? All right, we're back uh, to both uh, short track and uh, nighttime uh, driving uh, down uh, this week at Richmond International Raceway on a three-quarter uh, three mile track. Uh, and keep this in mind, uh, you can catch that race Saturday. That's a Saturday night beginning at 7.30 on Fox. Now, before we move over to that, let's take a look at the Frat House Sports NASCAR Fantasy Leaderboard. There you have it. Um with a little bit of movement going on there uh, following this uh, past week's race. Both you and I stay in the top ten. Yep. Uh, but with so much movement going on, obviously both in real time uh, and fantasy, uh, what do we do this week with nighttime and <laughs> racing? 
while we're talking about Max Kenseth, before I get into the, yeah, the yeah. picks and things like that, let me just do a little note here. All these penalties that are maybe levied on Kenseth and his team, none of those actually will affect fancy points for him. Right, they don't. I so that. the yeah. fact that they're vacating the win last right. week I noticed that. and all that will not affect and any of these suspensions and fines and, you know, uh, Joe Gibbs penalties. It's a well, funny not, thing you mentioned that. I actually went in to check that this morning to see, hey, did this give me a leg up? <laughs> because I didn't well, have guesses. Oh, my I, actually, I actually read an article today about this. And if there is penalty, if there are penalties assessed to a driver from a race, okay, from from that weekend, right? if they are levied before 5 p.m. on Tuesday, they will update the fantasy the, points. The fantasy points. If it comes after 5 p.m. on Tuesday, they'll leave the points of that well, for that race. Well, in cases so far in the past two weeks, they've been on Wednesday. Right. Right. And okay. as a matter of fact, May 1st um, is when the appeal for uh, which is coming up Keselowski and right. Logano. Um, so anyway, so we're going we're going to Richmond. Uh, Virginia is for lovers, but we're not going to see Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin hugging it out this weekend, as uh, Denny Hamlin has announced that he won't be racing this weekend. So for those of you that thought you were going to get Denny Hamlin on your roster this week, which would have been a great pick had he been racing, um, you're not going to you're not going to be able to pick him this week. Um, so let's get to the rosters. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, Kyle Busch, who's been on a bit of a little downhill spiral the past couple weeks. Um, uh, Kyle Busch has four wins at this track. They've all been the last four spring races, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got 12 top fives at the track, and in his career, he has yet to finish here. Wait. He has finished all of his races on the lead lap. Okay. So um, he's going for 27.25. Now, again, remember uh, the prices I quote here may differ because you may have had them stashed on your roster. Like for me, yep. I think he's like 26, 25. I don't even know what he is. On my so, um, because I've been, you know, he's been sitting on my roster for a couple weeks. Um, we're going to go with Casey Kane. Uh, he's got, uh, one win, uh, and four top fives at this track out of, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Wow, what did I do in my notes? Yeah. <laughs> One win, four top fives, and out of the eight races so far this season, he's only been outside of the top ten three times. Uh, 25-25 is what his uh, rate is this week. Uh, for Uncle Mark, I'm putting Quint Boyer on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two wins at this track, eight top tens, and has been in the top ten, or was in the top ten, uh, on every short track last year. Mm-hmm. So he's going for twenty six twenty five, and then one of your favorites, uh, Eric Amarola. Yes, he is. He's sitting in twelfth uh, in points right now, and this kid's he's going to break he's going to break out some point at some point at some point this season he's yep. going to break out. Yep. I'm telling you, and he and he's not bad on price. He's sixteen seventy five, and then uh, last week with the low pick, I'm going to stay with him this week. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Timmy Hill. Uh-huh. Rounding out your roster at ninety-eight seventy-five. All right, there you have it. There's our motorsports update for this week. Let's go over and take a look at uh, Major League Soccer. We didn't get a chance to take a look at uh, MLS uh, last week. Oh no, we had a packed show last week. Yeah, we did, yeah, like this week isn't. Uh, so uh, it's been two weeks. What's new in MLS? I can't All give it right, to in the other round ball. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well. The leaderboard. In the east, we've got Sporting KC sitting at 14 points. They're 4-2-2 two, and two overall. Uh, we've got the Houston Dynamo up there uh, still. Uh, 13 points. They're 4-2-1. and one. Uh, In the west, we've got uh, FC Dallas. 19 points. 6-1-1. One, and one. They seem mm-hmm. to be uh, really uh, taken off there. And then we have the uh, LA Galaxy with 11 points. They are 6, 3, and 1. The interesting thing I noted was that KC took over the number one spot and has not won a match in the past two weeks. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but I did. They had not won a match, but they took over that top spot. 
Well, as long as they it, they they tied and they and they lost, but yeah, as that, long as they as long as they keep tying, they'll get points yep. because the tie. I think we talked about this there show ties one point, kind yes, of similar to one. NHL. All right, so. we'll be back again uh, to international football, American style, as I like to call it, uh, in the future shows, and you can bet our resident expert uh, sidekick will be keeping you up to date on that. All right. Let's go over and take a look at Major League Baseball. Of course, it's still early in the season. Let's take a look at the league leaderboards as we enter the last week of the first month of the season over in the American League. The Boston Red Sox stay at the top of the 14-7 record and uh, two games in front of the Orioles. My Kansas City Royal sleeper team uh, take over, at least for a minute, uh, in the Central. 10-8 and eight record. They're just a half game in front of the Minnesota Twins. Texas Rangers take over in the West with a 14-7 record and a game and a half in front of the Oakland A's in the National League. Atlanta Braves continue to be the best team in uh, baseball with a 15-6 and record. Now four games in front of, oh, how about this, the New York Mets. Oh, not the Washington Nationals. No, they dropped to third. Uh, in That's the because my Cardinals swept them. There you go. <laughs> in the Central, your Cardinals. Thank you. Still lead at 13 and 8, but they're just a half game in front of the Cincinnati Reds. And in the West, uh, even with all the weather delays uh, that we've seen and postponements, it's still the Colorado Rockies with a 14-7 record and a game and a half in front of the San Francisco Giants. Apparently, somebody said that hell would freeze over, and it has. Certainly, we're talking about that. Well, that now means it's time for our weekly MLB feature, Fred House Mike's Screwy Ball Stories. And we're going to start it up by traveling overseas to Taiwan, and uh, we're going to continue our journal from uh, last season, Psychic, of uh, following everybody's PED poster boy, Manny Ramirez, who, uh, well, he just couldn't find a home uh, here uh, last season on any even minor league team. Uh, but he seems to have found a home and a house in Taiwan. Uh, the other evening, he hit a monster home run and then proceeded to take a 30-minute, or a 30-second, 30-minute, can you imagine? 30-second jaunt in his home run trot around the bases. Now, you might say, well, okay, that's a, what's a big deal. With the average base runner generally gets around the bases following a home run in about 15 to 18 seconds. But Ramirez, well, he made every effort and second to admire his work, including starting the trap, going backward to watch the ball go out. So one has to wonder whether it took him so long, okay, and I put this out there as a question, A, because age is catching up to him, B, because he's obviously not juicing currently, so he doesn't have the speed, C, he's an egotistical crumb uh, who's just mugging it up for the cameras and crowds, or D, all of the above. So we're going to bring you the video here right now. We're going to let you hear it, see it, along with the Taiwanese play-by-play. -by -play. And you make the decision. You make the call. Here we go. Godzilla! Free OB beer for everyone. Taiwan, we don't test. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure. Uh, now, did you hear it? I'm pretty sure the announcer said something about going out and getting a chili dog in there. Uh, you got to hear that again. You know, you go back and you watch it again. I'm pretty sure. You know, this announcer said, "Can't wait till this is over. I got to go get a chili dog." Okay. Uh, listen, it's been an unseasonably chilly and in some places downright cold beginning to spring uh, just about everywhere in the country. But wow, boy, Colorado has been nailed by uh, not just below freezing temperatures. But how about numerous uh, heavy snowstorms since the beginning of the baseball season, leading to numerous delays and postponements, as I had mentioned before, including a day-night uh, doubleheader that was played in Colorado on Monday, uh, this past Monday, with the Atlanta Braves, where the temperature at the beginning of the opening game was 23 degrees. In the pics that uh, you can see here behind me, in the pics that you can see here behind me, you can see how the players took the field. Uh, even snow on the trees in the background. It looked more like a, a cover to a Christmas card than an early season baseball game in mid-April. Okay, we've been reporting for a couple of weeks uh, now how baseball fans from all across the country have been uh, speaking out more dramatically. Uh, this season than ever before. Add the Giants now to that list. Uh, someone in San Francisco really, really doesn't like the often talked about PED using success of one Barry Bonds. Uh, well, at least that's my guess, anyhow. A spokesman for the San Francisco Giants revealed yesterday that a commemorative plaque recognizing Bonds' 756 home run was stolen off the outfield wall of the ballpark. Have you ever seen this thing? It's, it's enormous. I don't know how. Oh, I can imagine it's 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 huge. I don't know where somebody would store it. I, 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 I wouldn't know either. Um, but if anybody's looking for a really big sign, hit me up. <laughs> apparently, uh, Bonds' Giants Hall of Fame plaque is missing as well. Do you know anything about that one? Uh, might be. Check my eBay store. Uh, <clears throat> You might remember that this, uh, that the uh, dysfunctional Miami Marlins, well, they replaced uh, manager Ozzie Gann after just one season last year and handed the keys to the clubhouse to Mike Redman. Uh, but apparently that's all Redman's duties include, opening up and locking up at the end of the day. Aside from fans, it seems the Marlins brass is now pissing off uh, the mere handful of worthwhile players they still have. The Marlins the other day played a doubleheader on Tuesday, and both uh, Jose Fernandez and Ricky Nolasco were scheduled in the regular rotation. Baseball tradition is that the senior pitcher gets to choose whether he wants the first or second game, but Nolasco was never consulted. Apparently, Marlins manager Redmond wasn't either. Redmond was told Nolasco would play the second game, much to Nolasco's chagrin. Now players in the clubhouse are grumbling, and rumors have run them up that Redmond has no say in the day-to-day game-day decisions. How far can Loria go? Seriously, honest to God. All right, there's my screwball stories for the week. Let's go take a look at our Frat House Sports Facebook post of the week, which was uh, posted yesterday. And it is part of my daily Today in Sports History postings, where yesterday I reposted that in 1961, L.A. Dodger pitcher Sandy Koufax struck out 18 hitters and becoming uh, the first major league pitcher to accomplish that twice. Uh, That post got the most views of the week, and perhaps uh, maybe yours could as well. So what you got to keep doing is checking out our uh, Facebook page, visiting that, commenting, leaving your own posts. All of that over at Frat House Sports. <coughs> NBA playoffs. You got an update for us. Yep, it's my favorite time of the NBA season. Playoffs. Uh, so let's go take a look at the uh, playoff games uh, that began last Saturday, uh, with each uh, series getting two games in so far. Uh, in the West, we have the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder uh, lead their series against the Rockets 2 to nothing. Uh Surprise there? No. I don't think so. Uh, same result with San Antonio over the Lakers. I think we're going to see the Lakers take an early exit. Yeah. So, great 
for you guys to make the playoffs, but uh, Saranar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Golden State Warriors and Denver Nuggets are tied 1-1. Uh, the Clippers are up on the Grizzlies, uh, 2-0. Uh, in the East, we've got uh, the Heat over the Bucks, 2 to nothing. Yeah. No surprise there. Nope. Uh, same result with the Knicks over the Celtics uh, and the Pacers over the Hawks. And currently, the Bulls and the Nets are 1-1. One and one. And there's three games scheduled for this evening. Uh, we've got the Heat and the Bucks, uh, Nets and Bulls, and Clippers Grizzlies. By next week, we'll be in round two, so we'll have an update of who 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 is out and who's, who's who moving and on. who's moving on. Right. All right. Let's go take a look, uh, real quick look at the shortened NHL season. Uh, oh, doings. yay! My favorite uh, segment. And there were no changes in our division leaders this week. Uh, and with just uh, two to three games remaining uh, in this shortened season, I'm going to keep this real simple. All the division leaders you see here have clinched the playoffs. There it is. In the East, you can add to those the Islanders, Canadians, and Maple Leafs. Still fighting to get in with just two to three games remaining. Include the Senators, who have the seventh seed, the Rangers right now with the eighth seed, and the Jets, who still have a chance. They would be a nine, but could kick one of those two out. In the West, you add all the Western Division leaders here. Uh, add to those the Blues, the Kings, and the Sharks. And still fighting to get in would include the number seven seed, Minnesota Wild, number eight seed, uh, Detroit Red Wings, and believe it or not, number nine, Columbus Blue Jackets, who could, as in the same case in the East, could kick either one of those two out. All right? Uh, and we'll be obviously bringing all of the Playoff implications to you next week. Okay. Now, we have joked all this shortened season about Sidekick's lack of uh, participation in our NHL hockey updates. As he has remained stalwart in his conviction not to return to hockey until next season in protest to the lockout that lasted until January. By golly. However... He has agreed to talk a bit of hockey uh, this evening, but that's only because it has something to do with next season. Sidekick, there was a proposal put forth last week that the NHL would add five additional outdoor games to the already existing Winter Classic, which traditionally has been played on New Year's Day. Now, mm-hmm. I know you've got your opinion on it, uh, and I, wa- I, 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 I want to get to that, but before we do last Friday... Uh, Jonathan Regis and I had our good friend Russ Cohen on the air uh, on Fan Junkies Radio. Uh, and Russ is a sports author. He wrote, uh, recently wrote and released the definitive journal of the history of the modern winter classic. There it is right there. And let me bring you just a couple of minutes of his comments from that broadcast. Here you go. Uh, if, if nobody knows Russ, uh, Russ wrote a couple of books. We got 100 Ranger Greats, and he just wrote a book, The Winter Classic, to speak about the NHL Winter Classic. So who, who better to have on to talk about this than Russ Cohen? So, Russ, you read the uh, proposed plan here for the uh, six outdoor games. Yep. What are your feelings on the whole thing? Well, it's kind of interesting. It, it, as we know, it's not finalized because we, we yep. cornered Peter Luco of the Flyers, and, and he – swore he knew nothing about it and said, well, the NHL comments on it, then come back and see me. So it was kind of comical the other night. But I, I think what they're trying to do is is cash in a bit regionally. I think the one thing that I saw on the on the Internet and on Twitter and everywhere else was that there'll be six Winter Classics. And, of course, there won't be. There'll be one Winter Classic. There'll be one Heritage Classic. Then there seems to be these regional games. And the regional games – could it water down the Winter Classic over time? Yeah, it could, but for every person that wants to bitch about it online on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else, there's 10 others that are going to buy tickets, and some of those people that are bitching will buy tickets. So yeah. it kind of makes me laugh in that regard. I, I do understand the concern, but I don't think it's the fans' concern to worry about how this is going to be rolled out and if it's going to work. The, the league is going to worry about if it works or not. And yeah. you worry about watching if you want to watch or not. I, I mean, the biggest thing is, to me, when I first heard about it, was it cost a million dollars for that machine that they bring out there right. to basically set up one of these events. So now, obviously, right. they'll have to double up on that because yeah. they just won't have enough time. So so that's interesting. So they're making a significant investment in this. Obviously, it, I believe it will pay off. 
I believe they'll get more TV coverage out of it. Yeah. I'm also thinking, and this is totally 100% speculation, but when I saw ESPN breaking the story, it made me think maybe ESPN is trying to get some sort of limited NHL coverage the same way TBS has it with MLB because generally ESPN is not usually the first to sort of break these kinds of stories, but if they were negotiating, then they certainly would have inside information. So that's just my guess. Russ, obviously you can't get in the head of Gary Bettman or the folks nope. over there, but uh, what uh, what do you think is the motive to this? Uh, it, you know, frankly, I'm opposed to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I frankly thought you would be as well, only because of the fact that, you know, you've, you've kind of held up the whole event of the Winter Classic. To me, I think it does kind of dilute uh, the Winter Classic. What do you think the motive is? Well, I think the motive is, is money. I think the motive is fan demand, and I think the motive is the teams really want it. Now, I do think it will dilute it, and do I think six is too many? Yeah, but I can't I can't announce it because I think there's still going to be some great games that come out of it. And I just as an example, okay, whether you like it or not, two days ago, Martin Berdor came out and said, hey, I would love to play the Rangers in Yankee Stadium next year, where we were all thinking he was retiring this year. So now all right. of a sudden, this probably fires him up for another season because it seems like he's coming back now. And certainly he shut out the Flyers last night. I covered that game. So I would say that would even fire him up even more. So you might get some situations where they get to put guys like that on a big stage, Brodeur, and he hadn't played in one of those games. And I heard Chris Draper talking on NHL Network Radio recently about his time at the Winter Classic when he played in Wrigley in 2008, I think it was. And and it was unbelievable. He said it was a lifetime achievement for him to have his family there and, and go through the whole thing. So I think we have to sort of look at it that way, too. I understand we on the East Coast look at that Dodger Stadium one and say, boy, that's a joke, that's terrible, yeah. how could you do yep. it? However, I think people on the West Coast aren't going to care about the Islander Ranger one either. I think, I, And that's where I think it sort of gets regionalized a little bit. Okay, Tucky, there you go. You heard Russ's comments uh, there. What's your sense and what's your opinion on the addition of these five, uh, five additional outdoor games for next season? <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't really like it. Okay. I mean, uh, I can see where you might want to say, hey, you know, there's a regional game, you know, some other folks are going to get to see it, but I think it's still going to wash it out because if you're, you know, every year you're having <coughs> these six games, right? it's, you know, you're going to have every region having a, a winter classic game every year. Yeah, it dilutes it is what my, was what my yeah, point was. And, it doesn't make it and it's And it's... Let's be honest. It's a money grab. In my my opinion, it's strictly a money grab um, for the NHL. I mean, look at the NHL. We were talking about this pre-show. Half the season, they were locked out. And half the season, they've now almost made what they made last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at projections, if they played a full season, they would have beaten – Last year. Absolutely. You know, um, and this goes to why I, you know, have, you know, basically said, hey, I'm not coming back to the NHL. But you've got, you know, you've got all the fan base that's come back. And, you know, plus, either either more fans or they're, or the current fans are spending more money. Right. You know, and, you know, and I think the NHL is looking at it as, hey, they came back in droves after a lockout. How you know? How are we? How can we Talk take advantage of, of, on this? You know, yep. you know, uh, you know. Russ was saying, I think he was quoting, you know, a million dollars uh, for the for, for, for this for equipment assembly, to do yeah. the game. Right. But you know, the NHL wouldn't be doing it if they weren't going to make that money back. Obviously. You know. Obviously. Um. So you know. To I me, mean, it just as I as you heard my comments in in the radio show, it just to me it kind of takes away from the specialness of the Winter Classic. And it's a funny thing because we talk about the Winter Classic almost as if it's been around for decades and decades. It's really only been around for about, uh, what, less than 10 years, folks. So it's a funny thing how we suddenly tag a tradition on something that's as young as it is. But there it is. All right. Well, we appreciate, and the fans appreciate you, uh, actually providing us with a little. Well, plus it kind of clears up, I'm sure. You know, I know we've got new fans Coming into the show, and they're probably wondering, you know, why is Psychic always sitting there <laughs> goofing around? Yeah, well, you know, basically, I said at the beginning of the season, I was not going to do any 
NHL updating or anything as part of my lockout of the NHL. So I kicked lock Shut up and stop talking. I kicked lock them out. All righty. All right, that's our show for this week. A packed one it was, and uh, I know we ran a little bit over time there, so I, I, I apologize, but I hope you got all something out of that. All right, uh, let's run around real quick and yep. uh, thank all of those that support us, and we try to support them, and that includes FanJunkies.net. Get over there, sign up with them. Free social networking just for sports nuts and geeks like all of us. Get over there. Do it. It's free. It's simple. It's easy. Fan Junkies Radio. You can hear it Monday, Wednesday, Friday with Jonathan Regis and myself. You just heard a clip uh, that Jonathan and I, when we had Russ Cohen on. And, of course, my show on Saturdays, Frat House Saturday, you can hear over on Fan Junkies Radio every Saturday at 12 or at 1, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. HerbFM.com, HerbFM Sports. They've been rebroadcasting us now for months. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys, down there in Maryland. CLW83.com, that's my buddy Carl and Jim over there. Rebroadcast all of the Fan Junkies radio network programming, which includes, of course, Five Minutes of Frat House. So make sure you're supporting them as well. CLW83.com and FratHouseSports.net, our own website and production as well. All right. There you have it. That's our show. For the last week of April, we will be back with you here. May Day, coming up next week. Keep us real. Keep us live. Keep us going. We'll see you then. Joey Logano was trying to get by on the inside. You'll see Joey coming along here. Thinks Kyle's going to stay up next to the wall, but the car comes down, and that is amazing. Yeah, Joey was all the way on the apron. He felt like Kyle was probably going to stay outside up next to the wall, but the car was just coming down the hill. and. Look at that 22 car just goes airborne. What an impact. Oh my God. Wow. That is unbelievable. Kyle, not really a good day for you. Um, what happened out there? Went out twice. All on our own. Just uh, don't know what you can do. What do you think, think about the track? Me? Otherwise, you just no grip on the track today? Uh, yeah, absolutely no grip for, for me, anyways. But. Um, you know, you're running third, doing fine. Car a little tight, and you spin out. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And then, uh, you know, we're back in traffic all day. Traffic's way worse. Just trying to get back up to the front and um, making some gains, but car just snaps out from you every every corner. And there you have it. There is the most recent five minutes at the frat house with frat house Mike and Sidekick. As good as they do sound over the air, you don't want to miss them on YouTube. So you can search for them on YouTube, Five Minutes at the Frat House, and you can see their videos. Uh, they have a lot of interesting graphics, a lot of stuff going on, faces being made out of each other. Uh, they're really dynamic to see. So I highly recommend um, checking them out on YouTube. Let's bring you an update of what's going on currently. The Nationals are over the Reds. The Tigers are beating the Reds. Braves two to one, and the Mets right now are currently over the Phillies one to nothing. And Frat House Mike is at the game. He might call us in a little bit to give us an update. We'll see if he can get away. He's up there with his trusty sidekick, and they are enjoying a beautiful, beautiful day. Just a reminder, Frat House Mike and Sidekick did bring up that we do have Richmond tonight airing live under the lights. Uh, you can see that tonight. The Matt Kenseth has the poll, which should be interesting after all of his penalties and all of his drama going on. Hopefully it won't wreck his car. He won't get out there and be too emotional, especially for my fantasy team. You can also check out NHRA this weekend. They have the O'Reilly Auto Parts Spring Nationals going on, and all of that is going to be going on live. Normally it's uh, taped and then it airs later, but this is all going to be live this weekend. So that should be pretty neat to see as well. Over hockey action is going to happen later on tonight. The Rangers are going to play the Devils. That should all. That's always a good matchup right there. Division rivals. Flyers are going to take on the Senators. Maybe they can end their season with on a positive note. That would be really great to see, especially for those Flyers fans. And we'll continue to bring you Phillies updates as it goes on today. So far, it's still one nothing. So we're still waiting to see if we hear from Frat House Mike, which we may or may not. Uh, the Braves have just tied up with the Tigers at this moment. 
An interesting thing that they brought up was all the nonsense going on with the draft. I say nonsense, it's really not, but all the interest around the NFL draft. I just found it really interesting last night when I was talking to Frat House Mike. He brought up that the draft is always held in New York. And that's uh, that kind of bothered me a little bit because you had all those New York fans and all the local guys rooting for their draft guys. I really think they should make that go somewhere else, play it all over the country. That way you can get other sports teams to root on their fans as they draft. For example, you know, like you never get those Green Bay fans at the draft to root on their picks or you never get anybody from San Diego. So I think they ought to hold that in other places. Haven't heard yet from Frat House Mike, so I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Um... Give him a few more minutes, see if he can call into us. And if uh, if we don't hear from him, I'll end the show. Uh, thank everyone for listening. You can uh, catch Frat House Mike and Jonathan Regis on Fan Junkies Radio Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He will be back. He won't be on location anymore. And then you can also check him out on CL80. CLW83, Jim Williams and Carl, they provide and play all of the fan junkie shows as well as all the frat house shows, so that should be something that will interest them. So we have some calls coming in. Here's one. I believe this is Frat House Mike. We'll see if he's there. Frat House Mike, are you there? Uh, Yes, we are. We're down here at City Field, up here at City Field, I guess. Uh, where we've got a 1-1 game between the uh, Bills and the Mets. And hold on, make that a 2-1. Make that a 2-1. Uh, 2-1 for the uh, Bills just right now. You just heard it, too. Uh, yeah, we got, uh, I think the other one that's holding there for you, Brad Haskin, is Sidekick. You can bring him in at the same time if you just hit that, uh, hit his number. Okay. Let's see if Sidekick's, hi, Sidekick. Hey, what's going on? Not much. We're just hanging out. We were discussing, uh, you know, the Flyers and whether or not their jerseys really brought out Scott Hartnell's hair color. <laughs> Actually, that's a joke. I didn't. I didn't do that at all. Just bring some updates going on around baseball and hockey. How are you guys doing? Is the field nice? Uh, it's a very nice stadium. I will say this. Uh, I see a lot of red here. Uh, it's it's not a sellout. Uh, not I mean it's uh, probably but the, the ballpark's about half full. Uh, but like I said, there's a lot of red, a lot of lot of Phillies representation here today. So we could have Citizens Bank Park North going on as opposed to the South down that they have down at the National. Very so, possibly. How's that pitcher looking? We discussed on the front end of the show how that's a new pitcher for the Mets. Yeah, we got Jonathan. We got Jonathan Pettibone uh, pitching for the Phils uh, today. Uh, he looked a little, little, little rocky in the first inning. Um, seems to be settling down a bit. Actually, got himself on base in the uh, second uh, in the second inning, and I believe he's actually responsible for one of the runs scored. The Mets pitcher yes, is also Utley, a new pitcher. Utley hit him in. Uh, Utley. Okay, so Utley had the RBI for uh, Pettibone. There you go. The Mets pitcher is also brand new as well. He's making his major league debut today. Oh, for the Mets? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who is that? Sean Markham. Okay. All right. We, we, I haven't, we, we've only, we got here a what little bit late. What the heck? Get down there, House Mike. Come on. Yeah, yeah, no, we got here, we got here a little bit late. Traffic on the, uh, on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway was not exactly express. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, that's fun. Where was it on the Schuylkill Expressway trying to get here? Is that you? Uh, uh, well, you'll hear all about that one from Sidekick yeah, later on. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, you guys uh, it, was, it was an adventure this morning, trust me. You want to elaborate, Frat House Mike? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. We sat on the Schuylkill Expressway this morning for an hour in a car with no brakes and overheating. Oh, okay. And we were only... And it took us an hour to go eight miles. Wow. That, that sounds very upsetting. Yep. Oh, yeah, it was good just, morning. It was just an adventure, that's all. Okay, certainly sounds that way. <laughs> I've already had a beer today, so. And we're staying at the bar, and I'm going to go get some, uh, looks like there's some devil cut. Well, i got to tell you, too, for, for folks that are listening, uh, for sidekick to have a beer, <laughs> you got to know things were bad. <laughs> yeah. You guys I don't know drink we are beer. a family-friendly show, right? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, well, certainly, certainly. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of giving away the product placement and who was responsible for that the other night. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. This buds for you. <laughs> we'll let you guys get back to your game, um, and you'll be sure to check out other ballparks maybe this summer. We can do some more live broadcast. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, wherever wherever we go, we always try to make sure that we uh, check in with the Frat House or with Five Minutes at the Frat House or with Van Junkies Radio. All right. Well, I'll let you guys go. Sidekick needs to grab his beer and probably Frat House <laughs> might another one as well. So, absolutely. Good day. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Appreciate you covering for me today. Yeah, Enjoy the show, folks. Bye, Sidekick. Bye. And there you have it. Frat House Mike and Sidekick are at the game, and they just gave us the update about the Phillies. Now we're on top two to one. So thank you, everyone, for listening in today. I hope I didn't bore you too much, do too much of a bad job. Uh, next weekend, Frat House Mike will be back. So in typical Frat House fashion, I'm going to say keep it live, keep it real, keep it going. Is that what they say? I think so, yeah. So I will catch you all later. Have a good day.